we just got done, I just got done running the, now I've run summer camps before in Camden. What my previous job was to run an after school program in a summer camp in Camden for the past four years. And we always had a building with AC, with water, with everything like that. But this summer was a little bit different because we took the program and we placed it outdoors on a block of concrete and some grass with a little overhead umbrella type thing and handed out lunches and snacks every day and went swimming and played in the sprinklers. And then we had an amazing, an amazing time. We got to connect with so many parents, um, parents that we've been praying for to come to church and to hear the word of God and to really just connect with the families, right? It's one thing to bring the kids out and teach them some Bible verses and memory verses, and that's great, and that's what we want to do. But ultimately, like Pastor Joe said, we're here for the community. We're here so that we can step out and reach out into the community and be a friend and be a guide, a gospel light. Not saying that Epiphany is going to solve all of our problems, but we're going to be here praying for people. We're going to be here walking with people through life. Amen? So, um, one of the things that sticks out to me this summer is, you know, every single day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, remind you, at 1130, I would pick up a group of 8, 10, 12 kids, depending on the day. And we'd meet outside the church. We'd meet here. And then we'd pick up those kids. And then I'd drop them off over at the trailer park. And then we'd come back. We'd ride back down. And then we'd pick up Jeremiah and Isabella. And then we'd swing around and pick up Reagan. And sometimes we'd pick up Michael. And you get the idea, right? And we would pick up all these kids and we'd transport them all the way up to the park and, you know, some days they get in the car and they're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do today? But this one particular day, you know, they didn't have that particular energy. We were supposed to go swimming that day and the forecast was rain. It was gloomy. It was cloudy. And I don't know about you, but it's not that much fun when it's 75 degrees and it's not that hot and you go swimming in a freezing cold pool, right? So these kids get in the car this morning and they, they're quiet, they're hungry, they're tired because nobody, they just woke up. Whenever you're out of school for the summer, nobody wakes up prior to 11 o'clock, amen? And what happens is they get in the car and nobody's talking. Right? And so I pull out my list of jokes to try and get everybody to talk. I pull out my dad jokes. I pull out my favorite you know, one-liners that kids always respond to. And I get nothing, dead silent, crickets, call out of silence. So I give up. I said, that's it. You know what? I'm done. You know, we're just going to have a fun day whenever we get there and eat lunch. So I failed, and I turned on my favorite friend in the car, the radio. Anybody still listen to the radio? I know I do, right? I clicked on the button, and what turns on is the pop station. The pop station turns on, and then all of a sudden, Cardi B, does anybody know who Cardi B is? Cardi B, if you are a fan, I saw Miss Valerie throw her head back. Cardi B is the latest and greatest, if you don't know who she is, you need to know who she is, pop star. I turn on Cardi B in the ra- on the radio, and all of a sudden, my kids break out of their silence and know every single word to this new song. But that's what entertainment does to us, right? And that's my whole entire point. That's what we're going to be talking about today, right? The idolatry of entertainment. 
And we're going to unpack that, and we're going to see what that looks like. But in short, here's what entertainment does for us. Entertainment, it specifically, it can be used for good purposes and for bad purposes. But when it's used for bad purposes, it distracts us. It disconnects us. And ultimately, it can distort our reality if it gets bad enough. So, so in these kids' mind, as they got into my car, as they listened to this radio station and this song being played by the latest and greatest pop star, they were completely distracted by the fact that they're going swimming in the rain today. They're going swimming in the rain today. So here's, here's what we're going to explore today. How do me and you and our kids and our families in our homes, when we're out on vacation, when we're doing yard work, how do we enjoy entertainment in a healthy and God-glorifying way? There's two verses that pop out to mind, and we're going we're gonna to take a snapshot of some Bible verses and kind of helicopter from verse to verse. So hang with me. All the verses are going to be on the screen so nobody gets lost. And I'm going to read a couple to be on the screen as I point them out. The first one is Philippians 4, chapter 4, verses 8. Is it on the screen yet? It says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, everybody say true. Whatever is honorable, everybody say honorable. Whatever is just, everybody say just. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, that's it. If there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. And the second one is like it. Colossians 3, 17 says this. And whatever you do in word or, or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, as I said earlier, we ran this camp and it was every single age group. Our youngest was four years old and then our oldest was 14. So automatically, every single one of these kids came from a different background, a different lifestyle, a different age and a different time. And that's just like us. Every single one of those kids in that car is going to respond to that Cardi B song and that entertainment and that culture differently, right? And that's the same with us. But when it comes to entertainment, even though we all come from different backgrounds, even though we've been taught different stuff from the time we were born to where we are right now, we can do three things with the culture. And the first one I'm going to talk about is we can reject the culture. Everybody say reject. So reject the culture is like saying, okay, um, I'm going to take my family and I'm not going to let the culture or entertainment influence any of my decisions, any of my relationships, any part of my children's lives, and we're just going to completely withdraw and take ourselves out of the equation. We're going to take ourselves out of the world. Right? We're going to, so what that looks like on a real life everyday example is I'm not going to listen to Van Halen. Okay, I'm not going to listen to R-rated movies. I'm not going to uh, travel anywhere that we know that's out of the normal. We're only going to go to Myrtle Beach on vacation because anywhere else we don't know what we're getting into. We're never going to try and make new friends and we're only going to listen to Caleb and then 
top of that, we're only going to allow our kids to watch VeggieTales because that's the good Christian thing to do, right? And in that way, we completely separate ourselves from the rest of society. Do you guys see the fault with that? The fault is... Well, let me give you this example. I'm in a class right now, like Pastor Joe said. Um, I'm in seminary right now, full-time. I'm taking a class right now. One of the class exercises was for me to sit and watch a 30-minute video of monks who have taken a vow of silence. Monks who have taken a vow of silence in the French Alps, and I was supposed to sit there and watch this 30-minute video of with no audio, mind you, no audio, they don't talk, just straight them doing their activities for the day. And what they did was in complete silence, they would take themselves, wake themselves up in the morning, get dressed, go to morning prayer, not talk to anybody who's surrounding them, right? They would go, go about their hobbies, not talk to anybody, completely separate from the world. I don't know if you guys know where the French Alps are, but it's a pretty remote location, completely surrounded by wilderness, they would take themselves, they would eat in solitude and do everything they did about their daily routine apart from the world, completely rejecting what the culture and entertainment, completely away from everybody. And there's a big fault in that. So I had to write a reflection paper and the reflection paper said, tell me what you think about these guys' lifestyle. And I said this, and this is also true for us, is how... Can me and you, on a daily basis, bring the gospel and bring the love of Christ and have genuine relationships with people in which God ordained, God ordained us to have relationships and be in community with other people. How can we do that if we live completely apart from the rest of society? If we're stuck in our homes in isolation, scrolling down our Facebook feed, watching TV, watching CNN, watching Fox News, and that's all we do for the rest of our day. But in reality, there's a whole entire world and culture that God has created for us to experience. There's a big fault in that. If we completely reject culture, guess what Matthew 28 says, Jesus says this, go therefore, he's talking to all of us, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching people everything that I have taught you. How are me and you supposed to do that if we completely live away from the world? It's impossible. It's impossible. The next one I have is receiving. Everybody, ha everybody say receiving. Receiving the culture is kind of like the exact opposite. Allowing the culture, allowing that Cardi B song, allowing everything that you see around you to influence the decisions that you make from your family decisions to what your kids look at to how we conduct ourselves in the streets and at work to how we interact with our interpersonal and family relationships. All of that. It's kind of like you know, we, we go to church on Sunday and then you go and check out at ShopRite and you see all the magazines on 
on the wall there and you see all the celebrities that are having sex before they get married and then you turn on the TV and it's the latest uh, the Bachelor or the Bachelorette and they're they're dating each other to see who they're gonna end up best with and so you say even though I go to church on Sunday and my church believes this and I'm a Christian and I know that they believe this society still says this that it's okay to have sex before before I'm married and so I'm just gonna enter into this relationship because it's what everybody else is doing when you receive the culture completely and you put it in your pocket and you take it to heart and you completely live submerged all the time in that culture, in that world, without every, any difference between you and the people around you, you begin to act like part of the world. You are part of the world. It's like you can't go to church and go back and watch the Steelers game after service. I'm a Steelers fan because I'm from Pittsburgh and that's what we do. I'm sorry, Eagles fans, but I got no amens after that. Oh my gosh. But man, man, dang it. I just, I actually, I just, <laughs> I actually just forgot the, uh, the Steelers did just beat the Eagles. I'm sorry. All right, I'm done. <laughs> it's like saying, it's like saying you, you go to church and then you go home to see the game and then Miller Lite completely endorses beer and beer and football go really well together, which they sometimes do, right? I'm not knocking that. But instead, you take it to heart and you go ahead and you drink the whole 30-pack of Miller Lite and pretty soon before you know it, you're submerged and you're looking like the rest of the people that don't believe in Jesus. Does that make sense? That's completely receiving the culture and that's completely contrary to what Colossians 3.17 says. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So let me ask you a question. Are your decisions based on how you want to see God glorified in your life? Or are you using entertainment? Are you making choices to distract yourself, to disconnect yourself, or to distort your reality from something that you don't want to believe is going on in your own life? Are we watching TV to just relax with some friends and connect and hang out? Because that's not a bad thing. God ordained that, and that's a beautiful thing. I do it all the time. But what happens is when we sit and we come home straight after work and we just sit on the TV for hours and hours and hours and then expect dinner to get handed to us and then go to bed and get up and go to work again, that's not what God designed entertainment for. Are we drinking that beer to escape our problems and to go to bed at night? Or are we using it to rejoice and relax after a long work week? Are we on Facebook to look at how perfect other people's lives are? Or are we there to genuinely show some cute pictures of my son that was just born? Right? Those are some godly applications of how God has created a world of entertainment, right? Another verse that sticks out is Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, and it says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, 
But listen to this. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me, let me read that again. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And the second one I got is 1 Timothy 4, chapter, or chapter 4, verse 7. And it says this, but have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself. Rather, train yourself in godliness. Here's my point. There's three things we can do with culture. We can reject it. We can say, nah, I'm taking my kids out of this. We're not going to do this. I'm not going to live in the world. I'm going to be like the monks in the French Alps, right? And that's the extreme. That's one extreme, okay? And then the other extreme is we're going to receive the culture, right? That's the second one. We're going to completely take on everything that society says. We're going to read the magazines, and we're going to live that. We're going to live lives like everybody else that we see around us. And then the third one is redeemed, and then we're going to get into that in a second. But our minds need to be, and here's, here's, here's the whole point of what Romans and and 1 Timothy says, our minds need to be completely rewired. They need to be completely renewed and trained up. Here's what I mean. My mom had this saying when I was growing up in my teenage years, and after I say it, I want to hear an amen if anybody has ever heard it. And even if nobody has ever heard it, I want to hear an amen anyways. All right? And my mom always said this. She always said, Dylan, garbage in. Garbage out. Amen. Amen, right? Garbage in, garbage out. And that's what my mom would repeat over and over and over again as a teenager who went to way too many parties, who listened to way too much stuff I shouldn't have, who watched way too much stuff I shouldn't have, who hung out with way too many people I shouldn't have. I was constantly letting garbage into my mind, right? Because our minds, if we're honest, our minds are like computers, okay? Our minds... Let me give you this example. I got a new computer about a year ago, and whenever I got it, it was a complete blank slate. There was nothing on it. David knows about this because he, he works with computers, right? It was a complete blank slate, nothing on it. The only thing on it was the operating system, which tells the keys to type, and it tells the mouse to go. That's it. That's all that was on it. And so what I did was I opened up the box, opened up the laptop, charged it, and then slowly what I had to do was I had to put all of my information and what I wanted on that computer so that I could get it back out, so that it could remember it. And slowly what began to happen is I put my music on there, I put my movies on there, my games on there, my social media accounts, all this stuff. And what began to happen is nowadays I open up my computer and it tells me what time of day I'm supposed to be at what type of appointment and it tells me, it gives me a notification every time somebody texts me because it's connected to my phone. All I'm trying to say is our minds work like computers in the way that we only get out what we put in. You can't live completely immersed in the culture and not expect yourself to be affected by it. We need to be retrained to be renewed and trained up. We need to train ourselves in our faith, just like 1 Timothy 4, 7 is saying. If we're to take that verse and to look at it and to look at the original meaning that the authors have, to train an Old Testament ancient culture, that would mean for us an old, uh, 
they had the Olympics back then, and whenever athletes would train, they would completely, and I'm sure anybody knows this, if you've ever been to Planet Fitness or you've ever worked out or done anything like that, to train and to work out and to gymnasticize is what the Bible says, you have to beat your body up, right? You have to completely tear down your body so that you can build it back up and teach it new things and teach it how to be stronger. And we need to do the same thing in our faith because it blows my mind how me and you can know fun facts. Anybody know what fun facts are? Fun facts, just meaningless, pointless stuff before we know any verses about the Bible. It blows my mind how I get into a car with a group of four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven-year-olds, and they know the words to Cardi B more than any other song in America. They know the words to any other pop star or pop song before any Bible verse. It blows my mind how we can know the stats of all the Eagles players and Steelers players, and we don't even know the stats of Paul or Silas or Abraham, or any Old Testament figure or prophet. It blows my mind how we can know more about who our neighbors are dating or the latest gossip, and we don't even know the town that Jesus was born in. Here's what I want us to understand. Is when we are well-trained in our faith, when we do that, when we devote ourselves to being renewed. And when we say, Jesus, listen, I need you to come into my life to renew my life and to make my life new. Then we do what Philippians says. Pull that Philippians verse back up. It says this, then we cling to things that are true. Then we cling to things that are honorable. Then we cling to things that are just and pure and lovely and whatever is commendable, right? And whatever is excellent. And we dwell on those things. And that means that puts us in a pretty good position right? That puts us in a great position. It's like when we say, Jesus, I need you to come into my life because I don't know what the right outlook on entertainment I should have is. I need you to show me and I need you to teach me and I'm willing to devote myself to what you have to show me and to reading your word and to praying to you and to doing all these things. Then Jesus comes into our life and he begins to clean out all the garbage that we've been learning since we were, chi- since we were children, right? And he begins, here's the last R, he begins to redeem the culture. He begins to give us a new outlook on what it looks like for us to enjoy entertainment. He begins to give us a new outlook on what it means to enjoy entertainment. Here's what I mean. We went up to New England for a church planners conference about a week ago, and we met a guy from New England from a town, and they just planted a church that was kind of similar to this area, um, and there's a lot of striking similarities even between the church building that they were in. They even had the same, like, our daily bread devotionals in the back. It was, it was really striking similarities. Pastor Joe knows what I'm talking about. But we met this guy named Dave. Okay, and Dave had a crazy testimony. Dave got saved. He's in his late 40s. And it saved his marriage, it saved his finances, it saved a lot of things, but most importantly, it saved his character and it redeemed everything about him. It redeemed the culture that he's preaching to. It redeemed everything that he's surrounded with. So Dave, Dave bought a property 
he bought a bar and he told us the story. There's a bar in town where everybody goes to in town, kind of like if you would go to O'Donnell's or kind of like if you would go to the King Street Pub or the Riverview or Thomas Murphy's, if you've ever been down that way, kind of like that. And he took us to this bar and he told us this story and he said, listen, man, whenever I got here, this, this, uh, this bar was owned by the police officers in town and it was, you know, keep it low key, but it was the place, you know, if you were my age, which was 13 or 14, you could go in and get a drink and they'd serve you, right? You know? And that's the kind of bar it was. So fast forward to today, Dave buys the bar, becomes a Christian, gets saved, and now it's a place where people of all ages, people, well, let's say 21 and up, right? (laughs) People of 21 and up, and it doesn't matter if it's your mom, dad, cousin, whoever from the neighborhood, just come in the bar, filter through, and there's a sense of loyalty, and there's a sense of family there. As we're sitting in the bar talking to Dave, we sit there, and his sister comes through the door, walks up to us, tells tells us her whole entire story, because that's a safe place that God has redeemed. Another person comes in, they know Dave and his sister, the bar owners, right? And they, they come in and they have a meal. They sit there, they have a meal, drink a beer, and they talk it up. And they have great community and they have great fellowship because that is something that God has deemed good is for us to be entertained by the fellowship of other people. And that's one form of entertainment that has been God-ordained. God has completely redeemed that bar and is using it for God-glorifying purposes, Right? And so it's like, it's like me and you, and I'm going to end with this because I'm not as long with Pastor Joe, but <laughs> we need to, we need to allow Jesus to redeem the culture by allowing him to detox our minds. All right. Now, now here's what I'm not saying. Okay. We at Epiphany, we are not going to be a church that just completely uh, stands at a distance. We're not gonna be a church that sits up here and stands in a big circle like this and we hold hands and we face inwardly and we look across from each other and then we are completely ignorant to the stuff that's around our back that's happening right outside our doors. We're not gonna be the church that does not enter into the world like those monks and is completely ignorant of everything that's happening in our community, but we are going to be the church that reaches out that allows Jesus to permeate our souls and that asks for Jesus' help to come in and detox our minds so that we can go out into the world, into the community and redeem the bar like Dave did. That's what we are hoping and that's our prayer for Gloucester City. It's like a goodwill hunting situation. Anybody ever see the, the movie Goodwill Hunting? Matt Damon and Robin Williams, right? What happens in the beginning of the movie well, all throughout the movie is Matt Damon. He's this dude who's experienced a lot of trauma in his life. Anybody ever experienced something hard or something painful, right? And he's experienced all this stuff that contributes to the character that is in him today. He, he has been surrounded by a community and a culture and entertainment that preached to him, you're a tough guy, forget about your smarts. 
you live this way. And it dictated how he lived for a little bit until he met Robin Williams, right? And Robin Williams, every single time he goes to, to uh, Robin Williams' office, he sits Matt Damon down and he sits him right here and he's like this. And Matt Damon says, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to talk to you. Anybody ever be angry at God like that? I'm not going to talk to you, All right? And that's what he did over and over and over again. Sat Matt Damon down in the chair. Robin Williams sits right across from him. Says, all right, I'm here. I've been through the same stuff. I know what you're going through. I live the same life. My wife died. You don't want to hear the pain that it caused me. In the same way, God is saying, my son died for you. Sometimes as Christians, we need to sit in that chair right here in Matt Damon's chair and we need to allow Robin Williams, right, to, we need to allow God to come into our situations and ask us those tough questions. We need to allow God and his word to be preached to us. We need to listen to it so that it opens up our soul like it did in Goodwill Hunting and create and redeem Matt Damon's life so that he can go out and use his smarts for the glory of God. That is God's design for entertainment. That is God's design for your life. That is God's design for what he wants to see in Gloucester City. And that's where we need to start, is we need to allow God to come into our lives, to sit in that chair sometimes and say, Lord, I'm struggling. I've been watching too much of this. I've been, I've been making idols out of everything. I've been idolizing relationships. I've been idolizing my spouse. I've been idolizing gossip. I've been idolizing money. I've been doing all of that. Me and you need to sit in the presence of God and allow him to take our garbage minds and retrain them for godliness. Because what Jesus wants to do with our lives is far greater than what we have planned for our lives. So let me say this in closing. I just want... Here's my purpose of, of being up here and, and preaching the sermon, the idol of entertainment. It's not, my goal is not to say, go home and, and never watch TV again. That's not what I'm saying, all right? Because there's, there's, a genuine, there's a genuine glory in that. God has created, like, God has created that. It's like Pastor Joe used the example of the bottle of wine, all right? The bottle of wine can be used by the couple on their honeymoon, right? To enjoy a great night out and celebrate what God has done in their lives. But that same bottle of wine can be bought by the person outside of Gloucester City Liquors and then thrown back up in the back alley and not used for God's purposes. So here's what I am saying. It's a matter of the heart. Are we using entertainment in the culture in a way that just completely distracts us from the world around us and immerses us in the culture and distracts us from our problems and distracts us from everything we got going in in our lives? Or 
are we using it to genuinely enjoy what God has created for us? Because there's a big difference. Let me pray for us. Um, Dear Father, I just thank you for... Lord, I thank you for your word, God, that shows us that we need to be trained. Lord, we need to make a conscience, a conscious, conscious effort to sit in that chair, Father, and and be renewed. Lord, because we've all been taught from the time we were born things that we know we shouldn't have been taught. We've all been immersed in stuff that we know we shouldn't have been immersed. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would come into our lives right now, God, and that you would clean us up, that you would transform us, that you would transform our minds, God, so that we wouldn't be distracted by endless, pointless, silly myths, Lord, or so that um, our actions wouldn't be just a striving after the wind, Father. But I pray that, God, that you would redeem our souls so that you can redeem what entertainment is to us. Lord, we love you so much. Be with us even now.